John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. As we look at in Acts chapter 2, this is right after, uh, right at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and He started indwelling believers and, and the New Testament church started on this day. Here we see Peter's sermon. Now, I'm not going to go and unpack his entire sermon, but what a great message. What a great sermon he preached that day. And I, I like how he even pointed his finger at those men and he said, you are the ones who have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the ones who put him on the cross. And then he finished the gospel by saying it was God who raised him from the dead. And we see that in verse number 32 of Acts chapter number 2. And then we come on down through there. It says in verse number 37, are you there? Acts 2 verse 37. It says, when they heard this, they came under deep conviction. You see, I'm so thankful that the word of God, as it says in, in God's word in, in Hebrews 4 and 12, is it's sharp. It's powerful. It cuts going and a coming. Amen? Uh, both ways. It will dig into our hearts. And these guys, when they heard the Word of God, they fell under deep conviction. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, in verse 37, What must we do? In other words, they were asking, What must we do to be saved? We realize that what we've done, we realize we have sinned, we realize we crucified the Messiah, although that was part of God's plan. They rejected the Messiah. Messiah, and now they said, what must we do? And then, of course, he said, repent, in verse number 38, repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we come on down through there, you see in verse number 40, and with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Peter's preaching to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're hearing the gospel. They're falling under conviction. They ask what they must do. He says, repent and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Then be baptized. And it says he spoke other words. And he said, be saved from this corrupt generation. And verse 41, what was the response to all of that? In verse 41 it says, so those who accepted his message were baptized and that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Wow, could you imagine? In one sermon, 3,000 converts. What a powerful sermon Peter had that day whenever he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse number 42, it says, As they devoted themselves... Now here's where I want you to get. Right here's where we're going to park and, and unpack some of this and try to dig into some of this. In verse number 42, it says, And they devoted themselves... To the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And fear came on everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Verse 44, now all the believers were together, and they held things in common. In other words, there was a spirit of unity. 
in the crowd. Can you imagine over 3,000 people in this early church? And it says that they had a spirit of unity. And I believe you have that where the Lord is. Where people are really seeking the Lord and seeking His fellowship and devoted themselves to His teaching and His ways and not necessarily their own ways. You're going to see a spirit of fellowship and unity in that group of people. And it was in the early church. In verse 45, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Verse 46, every day, get this, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and they broke bread from house to house. And they ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude and praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Let me just pray together, if you will, pray with me, and I want to just share with you some biblical reasons and principles and benefits of all of us collectively together joining and getting involved in our small group ministry. Father, we thank you for our time together in your word. We ask you that the Holy Spirit of God, the, the creator, the, the author, the inspiration of the word of God, that you would illuminate the scripture today, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our ears and Help us to understand your word. I pray, dear God, as I just try to share some practical application to this, I pray, God, that you would stir in us a a spirit of excitement, a, a spirit of wanting to connect. And sometimes we come to church and we come into those Sunday morning worship services and we enjoy the worship and and then we leave and, and we're really not connected with groups of people that can help hold us accountable, that can help teach us, that can help us grow in our faith, that we in turn can turn around and mentor and serve and be a blessing to I pray, God, you'd help us to do more with our faith. Help us not to just be hearers of the Word of God, but help us to be doers of your Word. I ask your blessings on our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we are launching this 40 Days in the Word spiritual growth campaign and we're encouraging everyone to sign up for small groups and I think right now we have over 80 people that are signed up for small groups which let's give the Lord a praise offering for that. That's good. I'm I'm real thrilled with that. But I'm one of those guys that I'm not going to stop until we get 100% participation. I'm going to plead for everyone to get connected until the last one that I know of in our church family is connected and involved in small groups. So I still think there's room to, to grow. There's room to improve. There's room for more and more people to get connected to small groups. And I want to encourage you all to do that. But you may be asking why. Why should I join a small group? Is coming to church on Sunday morning not enough? Is even coming back on Wednesday evening, which by the way, this past Wednesday night I started a mini-series. I want you to come back for uh, this coming Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock out of Galatians chapter 6 on how to restore a fallen brother. Uh, man, God unpacks that for us in His Word. I'm going to be teaching that again this Wednesday evening, so come back. But maybe you're thinking, maybe Wednesday night and Sunday morning is enough. Why do I need to get connected into a small group. Why should I join a small group? I want you to take out your worship folder, your bulletin, if you will, please, on the back. There's some places for you to take some notes. And I'm going to share with you several benefits. First of all, we see it's biblical. I mean, it's just in God's Word. We see where they were meeting together, they were sharing together, they were breaking bread together, they were teaching together, they were growing together. The Lord was adding. I mean, it's just biblical to break it down into smaller groups, whatever time you want to do that, but to break it down into smaller groups and start unpacking God's Word together, start loving the Word, learning the Word, and living out the Word of God. God 
together. But I want to give you several benefits or several reasons why I believe that every single one of us should be connected and join a small group. Reason number one, jot this one down. The very first reason I believe all of us should get connected in a small group is because you will understand the Bible better. I mean, you'll just have a better understanding of the Word of God. Have you ever come to church on Sunday morning, either myself or a guest minister preach, and, and man, we're preaching and we're just sharing God's Word. And Have you ever wanted to just call time out? Have you ever had a question? Have you ever had a question just pop to your mind? What about that? Or how do I do that? Or will you park right there and unpack that? Have you ever had a question like that come up whenever anybody is preaching? If you have, raise your hand. If you have, turn to your neighbor and say, I've had some questions. Go ahead. I need to get you a little bit more responsive here this morning. I want you to get connected here today. I've had questions. We, we all have. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys, that, and that's why I provide a, a place for you on the, on the bulletin. I'm one of those guys that like to jot things down and make notes. And whenever I hear a principle or I hear a doctrine or I hear preaching or teaching on God's Word, I'm always making notes in, in correlation to what is being taught and shared. But on Sunday mornings, whenever we come together, it's typically just a one-way avenue. I mean, basically, I stand here, I unpack God's Word, and I just share it with you, and you sit there and absorb it. Now, I think that's biblical as well. I think we're commanded to do that in in God's Word. I think God calls men to do that on a weekly basis in the local church to do that. But there's more to learning God's Word than just sitting and listening. Don't just merely listen to the Word, right? James 1.22, don't just listen, don't just come and sit and listen. Now it's saying don't do that, but it's saying do more than that. But live it out, but do it. And so I think whenever we get into our small groups, it's going to create environments. To where as we're studying God's Word together and we're going verse by verse through Scripture and we're studying out this first study on, on how to study God's Word, it's going to create an opportunity for us to ask some questions, for us to get some answers, for us to glean one from another, to get some responses together in God's Word. And if you could get into a smaller group of, of six or eight or ten or so in a, in a smaller group, and, and then you're all sitting in someone's living room and, and you're opening God's Word together and you're sharing that as it says they did from house to house, Man, it just creates an environment to where you can start asking some of those questions. And collectively together, you can start digging into God's Word and letting God's Word start answering those questions for you. But together, you're digging into the Word of God. I think if we could get connected in in smaller groups around God's Word studying, it's going to help all of us have a better understanding of the Word of God. The second thing I want you to jot down is this. I believe then you'll really begin to feel like you're more a part of God's family. You see, like the video showed uh, right before I came up, sometimes we come to church and we get lost in the crowd. Sometimes we just come and, and we sit and we, and we enjoy the, the brief moment of fellowship that we have. And we try to create that moment in all of our worship services to where we have that time where you can get out of your aisle and you can hug someone's neck and you can greet one another. And the Scripture says we're to do that with a brotherly kiss. Our culture today is a handshake and a hug, and so we gather together and we do that. I think that's biblical. I think that's healthy. But guys, we need more than that. And sometimes we can come and sit in a worship service and be all alone. Matter of fact, you can go to the mall and hang out where there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and feel like you're the only one there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can go sit in Bush Stadium with thousands of people and feel all alone. Alone, right? 
So sometimes we can come and we can get connected with a church family, so to speak. We may take the membership class. We may sit in service on Sunday morning. And sometimes we can just start feeling like we are all alone. We really haven't made the connection with the church family. Boy, I think whenever we get together in a small group, there, just that environment is going to be more conducive to us getting to know each other, for us sharing life together. Matter of fact, in God's Word, do you realize that over 50 times in the New Testament there are these one another phrases? We're, we are commanded to do these different things with one another. A, a, a couple of them say, love one another. Love one another. Some more say that we're to encourage one another. That we're to pray for one another. That we're to accept one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to build up one another. Over 50 times in God's Word, we have these one another phrases. Guys, listen, you can't live that out simply by coming to church on Sunday morning and sitting in one, not a pew, but sitting in one of our chairs. I mean, in order to do that, you're going to have to connect with the family of God so that you can encourage and love and pray and build up and esteem one another. All these one another's are commands that we're to be doing. And I think those are lived out a lot easier in these smaller groups than in corporate worship together. Number three, jot this one down. I believe that prayer will become more meaningful to you. You see, whenever you get connected into a small group, matter of fact, and I never do this, I remember the time, boy, I'll never forget the time. When I had just started going to church, I, you know, and, and my wife and I had just gotten married, and, and I'm sitting in church, and I'm about three-quarters of the way back, about halfway in on the, on the church pew there, and, and I was one of those that don't ever call me to pray in public. Don't call me to speak in public. Matter of fact, I'm the one that took an F in my high school public speaking class. Now, all of my papers I passed with flying colors. I could write speeches very well. I knew how to do all of that. But I had this phobia of standing up in front of a crowd. Do you believe that? I mean, doesn't God have a sense of humor? But whenever I, that's why my mom and dad, well, they were totally blown away. Matter of fact, whenever I go back home and they put on the marquee, Pastor John Cannon preaching revival in this church and back in my hometown, that I'll have high school students that are totally blown away that I went to school with, that I am preaching a revival meeting. I had this phobia of standing up in front of folks. And I remember sitting in church, I told my wife, and at that time, her aunt sat in front of us, and her name was Marilyn, that was Ethel's sister. And I poked Marilyn on. See, I had a plan. I had all this covered. Because my pastor was the kind that would just call you out. Matter of fact, if he saw you not paying attention, he'd call your name and ask you to share maybe a little bit or, or, to, or to give a testimony or, or to pray. Matter of fact, I sat in church. This was after I'd, I'd answered my call to preach on a Sunday morning. And I was sitting in church. And uh, I'm sitting there on Sunday morning. I am not prepared to preach whatsoever. And Brother Leonard's up there. And we'd had all the singing. He had all the announcements. And he said, and please pray for Brother John as he comes to chairs today. Hello? After that, you know what he taught me? He said, God called you to preach? I said, yes, sir. He says, the Bible says, be instant in season, out of season. You'd be ready to preach at all times. I never went anywhere without a sermon from that day forward. I was ready from there on to preach at all times. So, Jose's going to come and finish out the sermon today. No, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, but I sat there about three quarters of the way back and I had this plan. I had it all covered because I had this phobia of speaking in front of people and I definitely wasn't going to pray because my pastor would ask you to stand up and pray. So I said, I said, Marilyn, if he ever calls my name to pray, I want you to know right now, I am not standing up. I am not going to pray. Will you stand up and pray for me? 
say, oh, John, I'll take care of it. She was okay with it. And so I had this plan. Well, one Sunday I was sitting there, and I was by my wife. I was right behind Marilyn and had the plan all taken care of. I mean, you know, I tapped her on the shoulder just about every Sunday to make sure that we were on the same page in case anything like that would happen. I had this phobia of doing anything in public like that. And, and all of a sudden, you know, it was one of those moments. I know you guys have never done this, but I was sitting there, and I kind of zoned out. You guys, you don't, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Just humor me a little bit, okay? Tell me you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I sat there and I was, I was listening to the preacher, but I wasn't really listening to the preacher. And I was kind of thinking about other things. And my mind was going other places. And I really wasn't connected into the sermon. I know you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But I was sitting there doing that. And all of a sudden I heard John. Man, when I heard John, that's all I heard. And I'm thinking, holy smoke, he just called me to pray. And I'm panicking now. And I'm, I'm, I'm stressing. I'm reaching up to Maryland. I reach over at my wife's leg. And, and I'm thinking he's called on me to pray. And my wife said, it's okay. He just said, turn to the book of John. <laughs> you see, I, I, have this, I had this phobia of standing up in front of the whole church and speaking or praying. But you know what? Obviously, I grew past that. And the Lord's helped me with all of that. But it didn't start by just standing up in front of the church one day. It started by having a network. We had a, we had a small group back before small groups were even kind of the norm in church life. We would get together with a few couples after church on Sunday night and we would go to their house and we would make ice cream. We would let our, our little kids, Tyler, when he was just a baby, just run around and play with their kids. And, and, and we would go there and Daniel had a guitar and he would get his guitar out and just three couples in there in their living room and, and he would get his guitar out and we would sing some songs and then we would get the Bible out and this was after church on Sunday night and then we would just read through the Bible together and none of us really knew a whole lot but we, we were hungry for God's Word and we were growing in our faith and and man i just remember getting around that little group and i got to the place where i could pray with those six people right i mean these three couples i got to the place where i, I can pray here I, i'm comfortable here and, and and i wasn't pressured into praying but i got to the place where i was comfortable around these six and i thought man i can do this and i started praying there you see the same thing can happen to you maybe you're a whole lot like i was Maybe you have this phobia that you do not want to stand up and lead prayer for the whole church. Maybe you're like, man, I want nothing to do with that. I want you to know that's okay. But whenever you get into a small group, and even when you're in a small group, we're not going to pressure you to pray in a small group. But boy, when you get there and you start getting more comfortable and you start building community with those individuals and you start sharing life together with those individuals, it's going to create an atmosphere where you, are, where you have more confidence, where you're more secure with these people and you can open up and you can start praying for others. And I tell you, prayer is wonderful when you can enter into the realm of intercessory prayer. So when you can start praying for other people instead of just your own personal needs. And, and then when you can start praying out loud for people and sharing with individuals. I promise you, I believe whenever we get into our small groups, that your prayer life will become more meaningful for every single one of us. Number four, jot this one down. All these things, will, I believe, will take place in your small groups. But number four, you'll be able to handle stress and pressure better. Guys, may I just share with you that life happens regardless of what's going on in your life? 
I mean, there's sickness, there's loss of jobs, there's, there's financial stress that comes, uh, there's, there's, there's uh, physical illnesses that come, there's death that comes, and we've been experiencing that here in our church here lately with, with several um, that have struggled or passed away. We want to continue to pray for uh, Barbara and her family, and, and uh, her dad went to be with the Lord this week. We also want to pray for Jill, um, Catherine's uh, uh, daughter-in-law's dad, and that just went, just passed away, and so we want to be much in prayer for them. You know, death, death comes... Sickness comes. I mean, I mean, loss of job comes. Uh, crisis come. You know, you know what? There's one word for all of that. You know what it's called? Life. I mean, there's no way around it. You're going to experience it. You, you're going to have those those times when you're on the mountaintop and you just feel like you could just just swing over hell on a spaghetti noodle and a water pistol and take on the devil. I mean, you're going to have those moments when, man, you're on the mountaintop. But then you're also going to have those moments when, man, you're in the valley and, and you just don't really feel like. Like you can go another mile and maybe you need to give up and the pressures of life and stress and the job and family relationships and finances and health and, and whatever it may be. Sometimes just is more than you can stand together. But boy, whenever you get into a small group, man, it's there that we can really start living out that Galatians 6.1 passage of Scripture where it says that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Whenever we come together and share life together, and when one's going through a crisis, man, you know you've got six or eight people that are going to be there for you. You know you've got five or six people that's going to help you, that's going to pray for you, that's going to be there when you're in the hospital or a family member's in the hospital, that's going to be there to help get groceries on the table if you've hit a, a financial snare in life that's going to be there whenever the doctor says that you have cancer listen we need each other come on church stay with me we need each other god has not intended for you to go through life alone and for the individuals that feel like they can do it on their own i believe you're only deceiving yourself you can't do it alone we need each other and sometimes I think the, the spirit that rises up in an individual that says, you know what, I don't need anybody. You know what I believe? I believe that's a spirit of pride. And I believe that's sinful. Hello? We need each other. I mean, and I've said this many times, even Tonto, or yeah, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, remember? I mean, he didn't even go at it alone. Right? We need each other. And whenever we're in our small groups, it would just help us. It would create an environment that we're already in, that when the crisis in life comes, we're able to share together and handle the stress and the pressure of all of that. Here's a fifth, fifth benefit, if you will. Jot this one down. I believe also, when we're connected in a small group, and we're living life together, and we're sharing in community, and we're living out true fellowship, which is koinonia, and it's more than eating casserole together. A lot of times we say fellowship around a Baptist church, and all we think about is casserole, right? Or dessert, you know, all that's well and good, but fellowship is more than that. It's really sharing life together. It's really opening up and sharing the, the deepest part of your, your soul and your emotions and your fears and your concerns and sharing all that together. But I think whenever we're in a small group, that it's going to create a natural environment for us to invite our family, our friends, our co-workers, those that are in our sphere of influence. It's going to create just a natural way for us to bring them and invite them to Christ. You see, there are some friends that you have and some family members even that you have that whenever it comes to going to church on Sunday, and I don't know what's happened in their life, but they may have gotten hurt in church. They may have this phobia of going to church. They may just think, you know what, I am just not. They may have this perspective that, that everyone's a hypocrite, and I've heard that on and on. Oh, you've heard that also, right? But whatever it is, they're not going to come to church. 
And man, you've invited and, and we try to create events around here for you to invite folks to them. And man, they're just not going to come. But you know what? Whenever you say, hey, I'd like for you to come to my house on Thursday evening, Tuesday evening, Friday evening, Saturday, whatever the date and time may be. You say, will you come to my house? We're going we're gonna to have some refreshments and, and, and we're going to get together and there's a, a few couples that are coming together and we're just going to try to get a better understanding of what God is teaching us in His Word. Will you just come over to the house Friday afternoon, Friday evening, 7 o'clock and, and, and be a part of our small group? You see, sometimes I think individuals that will not darken the door of a church will probably be more apt to come to your house for coffee and pie and and a little Bible study and fellowship together with you, I think we can reach them for the cause of the gospel. And, and small groups can possibly wind up being the, the spear, the, the point of the spear of our evangelistic efforts, of bringing folks to Christ and, and sharing the gospel with those individuals. It's going to create a wonderful opportunity for us to bring those individuals into our homes and be able to share Christ with them. Number six, here's another reason why I believe we all should get into a small group, is number six is this. I believe it will help you develop leadership skills that you never really knew that you had. You see, I believe every single one of us has spiritual gifts. I mean, God has gifted us with spiritual gifts. We all, I know, have at least one. I believe we have many. And many of those spiritual gifts are just lying dormant in our life. And they're just waiting to be woken up and, and utilized and put into a situation where I can rise up and I can use these spiritual gifts. And I think whenever we get into these small groups, it's going to create those environments to where we can move out of the role of a spectator and no longer sit and listen, but now we can participate more and we can take on areas of leadership within that small group setting. I mean, in our small group settings, Yes, we're going to have one that's the leader, that's the designated leader, that's the facilitator of that small group. And with that, we're going to have training and, and, and meetings here at the church for all of our small group leaders. But we're also going to ask all of our small group leaders, listen, you bring someone alongside, you mentor someone. Look in your group and find that individual that, man, you may think, man, I believe he or she could rise up and be a great small group leader and bring them on and start living out the role of an apprentice. And by the way, just let me unpack this for you real quickly. You do know what the five principles of an apprentice is. How many understand what an apprentice is? Raise your hand. Four, five, six. Do you, you guys know what an apprentice is? Stay with me here. Do you know what the roles of an apprentice are? Here they are real quickly. Step number one for an apprentice. And I, if I'm training someone and I've got someone I'm bringing along, then step number one is I do, you watch. In other words, Johnny, you just come with me. I'm going to do everything. You just watch what I do. But boom, I'm right, you're right here with me in everything that I do. I do, you watch. Step number two, I do, you help. Now, Johnny, I want you to come, but tonight I want you to help in small group. And whatever the area that you want him or her to help in, just give it to him. But, but you're still responsible. And what you've done, you've taken the pressure off. They're like, yeah, I can come alongside and watch you. Step number two, yeah, I can come alongside. I can do a little bit now. I think I can do that. I'll lead in prayer tonight. Or, or, or I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take the responsibility this week to contact everyone and make sure they're doing okay. Or, or, or I'll bring the refreshments or just whatever. Whatever area. You, step number two. Step number three now is, Johnny, you do it. I help you. Okay? Now the roles have flip-flopped. Now Johnny is more into the role of a leader. He's doing it, but he knows he has a safety net. He knows you're right there beside him, and you're going to help him. I do, or, or you do, and I, I'm going to help you. 
Step number four is, you do, I watch. Now you've turned Johnny loose. He's completely leading that small group. You're sitting there and you're rejoicing at what God has been able to use you to raise up another leader in our small group. Now we're able to continue to grow our church because we're getting people that understand their purposes. They've gotten to the seventh pillar and they understand what it is now to lead. And now we can continue to grow and reach more and more people with the gospel. But the fifth step, do you know what that one is? You find an apprentice. Johnny, your job's not done. You train someone else. You see, we're always in the process of training and rising up people to be leaders. And I think in our small group, it's going to help us to, to have that nucleus, to have the ministry that's in place that can help us rise up leaders out of that group that will help us carry out the mission of the church, that will help us reach well beyond the walls of Victory Church into our community and be able to ultimately share the gospel with them. Number seven, jot this one down. Here's another benefit or reason why I think we should be a part of a small group. I believe it would deepen your understanding of worship. Boy, whenever you get together in a small group, now hear me out on this one. A lot of times on worship, we really think that worship is simply just coming together on Sunday morning, hearing the band play, hearing Tyler lead us in worship, and then a preacher getting up to preach, and then we all shake hands, put our offering in. Let's don't forget the offering, right? Put our offering in. And then go home. And we think we've done worship. Here's a news flash. You realize you can do all that on any given Sunday morning and never really worship the Lord? Hello? We call this a worship service. And it is. But just because you're here doesn't mean you're worshiping. Hello? Right? Worship is when I am intentionally focusing My time, my effort, my energy on God. Now, I hope and pray everybody does that here on Sunday morning. We create a wonderful and, I think, environment for you to do that. But worship is when you're really focusing on God. Worship is when you're sitting together and you're unpacking God's Word and you're you're studying about who He is. You're discovering what He's done for you. You're discovering His plan for your life. You're discovering His plan for the whole world. You're seeing what He has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. You're starting to really dig into who God is. You're really starting, as Henry Blackaby did, did that wonderful study on experiencing God. If you've never done that in a small group, maybe some of you want to do that the next time we, when we roll out of 40 days uh, in the Word. Maybe you want to roll into Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God, a wonderful small group study that you should do. But maybe you're really starting to see God now where you never saw Him before. Maybe you're slowing down and you're experiencing God working and moving in your life. And I believe that really, small groups creates an environment for that to happen. When we slow down, a lot smaller setting, and we're digging into God's Word, we're focusing on Him in prayer, in Bible study, you know what that's going to do? That's helping the roots get deep into the Word of God. So when the storm comes, that tree is able to stand. It's not being blown over, right? And because you have roots that are deep, You're really understanding what worship is all about. Last one. I'll close with this one. I believe it just really helps us to become that New Testament Christian. It really brings fullness to our life. I think every one of us would say that there's a bit of a void in our life whenever we we just come together and and we just have Sunday morning worship. And, And for Victory Church, we've done that for a long time with our current setup, the way we were, meeting in a school gym, setting up and tearing down and... And we'd come together, we'd try to have a Bible study class, but that almost turned into a mini preaching session, right? I mean, it really did. We had a teacher stand up and just teach the adults in the Bible class, and we're sitting there, and not much opportunity to to ask a lot of questions. We felt like maybe we really couldn't do that. But boy, when you get into God's Word together, and you really create those little communities, and you're sharing your faith together, 
I believe then you're really starting to discover what a New Testament Christian is all about. You see, because in our small groups, not only do we want you to worship together and, and disciple each other and, and, and minister to each other, but we also want you to serve. And that's what I mean by ministering, I guess. We want you to serve each other. Guys, you realize we cannot hire enough pastors around here to do all the serving in the church? There's just no way. You cannot hire enough pastors to serve the church. You know where it comes? It comes when we as brothers and sisters in Christ really start sharing each other's burdens and start serving and, and, and reaching out to one another. That's when we become that New, New Testament Christian. I want you to look at a few verses and just wrapping this thing up. In Acts chapter 2, in verse number 42, I want you to look what it says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to this. They were de- devoted to the Word of God. They were also devoted to fellowship. That word fellowship is koinonia. In other words, they poured their life into each other. They lived life together. They shared life. And all these were done when they met in house from house to house. They had the breaking of bread, which, boy, whenever I think of, about the breaking of bread, I think about communion and, and thinking about how they shared. That's, that's, that's worship at its most intimate point. I had the wedding here yesterday afternoon and, or yesterday around noon time and I sat, stood right here in front of the church with, with Dexter and Christy and I turned my microphone off and I held them by the hand and, and I talked to them about their spiritual life and, and we were able to share communion together. did the same with, with all these that, have, that, that get married under whenever I officiate a, a sermon. We really try to incorporate communion in there. It's, it's a more intimate time of worship. And here they were doing that from house to house and then they were praying together. So all the things that I have shared shared with you, we see that they were doing that on a regular basis. And then over in Acts chapter 5, in verse number 42, Acts 5 and 42, it says, day after day, and in the temple courts, they met from house to house, and they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 16, in verse number 5, Paul says to greet also the church that meets at their house. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 19, it talks about Aquila and Priscilla. And it says that he greet, they greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. You see, all through God's Word, we find these, these small groups meeting in individuals' homes. Now, just let me say this. And I realize there may be a couple of groups that feel like they need to meet at the church. That's okay. I just don't think it's best. I think it's best if you open up your homes. Because when we come to church, we're now back and doing the church thing. And that's okay, I guess. And I'm not going to tell anybody they cannot do that. But boy, I just don't think meeting at the church is going to be the best for you. I really think that you can get a lot more comfortable in your homes. And just opening up your home and sitting in your living room. Or if it's a nice evening, sit on the back patio. Or in the fall, maybe you get out there and you build a fire on the fire pit and you sit around the fire together. I mean, it's those opportunities that you can have. Now, I'm not going to discourage anybody. If you're a small group leader and I don't have a clue when all the small groups are meeting, I don't have a clue where they're meeting. I know all that information was supposed to try to be brought in this week so we can make it public. And if you've decided to meet here, that's okay. I'm not going to rise up and say you cannot meet here. However, I will say that I think you're going to have a really tough time getting more and more intimate one with another. But it's almost, because, it's almost like we all come to this place and then we go back home and, and we're really not having that intimate time. There's something about just getting in our homes together. Okay, So I want to encourage you to do that. I believe there is incredible potential lying just ahead for us in two weeks when we launch our 40 Days in the Word spiritual growth campaign and whenever we launch 
our small groups. And I want you to be a part of that. I don't want anyone to miss this, this, this spirit of revival, this, this spiritual wave that, that's coming on Victory Church. I want you to be a part of that, okay? Now, all you guys understand what surfing's about. I grew up, my dad had a summer home down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, so I know what it is to body surf and, and do all uh, swim in the ocean. I've done that my entire life. But listen, to catch a wave, you've got to prepare yourself, Right? I remember as a boy being out there and seeing those waves, and even just recently I went out there with Tyler, and, man, I got body slammed. I got a big old scratch down my chest there. But, but I know what it is to body surf. And you're sitting out there in the water, and you're waiting. No, that's not a good wave. That's not, here comes the wave. And I'd even tell Tyler, Tyler, here comes the wave. Get ready. We're going on this one. When this one comes, get ready. We're going to launch ourselves. And then the wave would come, and we would just launch ourselves and swim a few times and body surf on that wave all the way in. There's a wave coming here at Victory Church. And I don't want you to miss it. So I'm like telling you right now, like I told Tyler out in the ocean, the wave is coming. Don't miss it. And the wave is our small groups. I want you to get connected. I want you to get involved. Okay? Don't miss this wave. And let's body surf this thing all the way in and see what Jesus is going to do as a result of launching into our small groups. Now here's what I want you to do. A little bit different message today. Really not going to have a song of invitation, although I want the band to come and kind of get ready to close out our service but here's what I want you to do, and ushers can go ahead and get ready because we're going to move right into that. I want you to take your bulletin this morning. I want you to open that up. On the back there is a place for you to fill out some information. I want you to tear off this perforated part, okay? Now, if you're a first-time guest with us, I, I thank you for being here today, and I'd love to get some information for you. So if you will, please just, just fill that out. And Now, if you're a first-time guest, I don't want you to drop this in our offering basket. I want you to take this over to our coffee shop over there and give it to the ladies behind the counter and they've got a gift they want to give you, okay? Uh, so for our first-time guests, you fill this out, hold on to it and take it to the coffee shop. But for everyone else, I want you to fill it out and then we're going to drop it in the offering basket along with our tithe and our offering as we continue our worship this morning. And here's what I want you to do. If you have not signed up for a small group, I want you to write on there, you know, sign me up for a small group. I want to get connected. I want to be in a small group. However you verbalize that, let us know. We want you in a small group. Maybe you're here and you've been contemplating the idea, do I lead a small group or not? What should I do? Listen, we want you to lead. If, if you want to lead, maybe you're thinking about some, maybe you think, man, I, I could possibly have one of these at, at the office. Maybe I can invite some office friends over to my house and, and try to evangelize where I work, at the job, wherever that may be. Maybe you're thinking about some of them. Maybe you can invite them into your home. We want you to get connected in small groups. And if you would like to lead, we want to help you lead a small group. So if you'd like to lead or facilitate one of our small groups, I want you to sign up on that today as well and let us know that so that we can get information to you so that we can uh, help you along with that. But I want everyone to get connected into a small group. Now here's the thing also. If you're already in a small group and you're already connected and everything's kind of locked and loaded and you're just waiting for two weeks for this thing to launch... I want you to make a commitment right now that you'll pray. That I will pray. Preacher, you can count on me. I am going to be praying as this wave comes, as this small group ministry comes. You can count on me to pray. And I want you to sign up today that you're going to be a prayer warrior for this. Now, along those lines, and then we're going to drop this in the offering basket in just a moment. This coming Saturday morning, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we are running a 12-hour vigil just for our 40 Days in the Word campaign. And the table you saw right there as you came into the auditorium this morning, and I saw several of you signing up for that, and thank God for that. But we need folks to sign up for that. And uh, Tom uh, Sobert is our, small, or our uh, prayer uh, group leader. 
And he's leading the prayer campaign over this entire ministry that we're launching and starting. And, and, and we're trying to have this 12-hour prayer vigil where we come and we pray. Now, I signed up for the 6 a.m. That's the first one. I went ahead and signed up for that one. But if somebody else likes to have I'll, sign, I'll go anywhere. But you let me know where I need to be. But if, I'll take the 6 a.m. if nobody else wants it. And I'm going to come here and I'm going to pray from 6 to 6.30. And then I want everybody else to get on, on that list. And you help us pray. We need God to move through this, right? We don't want to do this in our own power. We don't want to do it in our own strength. If we do that, we will fail, right? We need God to move through this thing. And we believe God's brought us to this point. We've seen God work up to this very point, And we want Him to continue to work and move through this ministry. So we really want to bathe this thing in prayer. So if you haven't signed up, will you please sign up to be part of of our prayer vigil next Saturday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., pick a 30-minute time slot and say, hey, I'll come pray for that, okay? And sign up on the table just as soon as you leave. Stop by that table. Tom will be there. Where's Tom? Tom Tom will be right there at that table. He'll help you right there. Uh, So please stop by there and pray for us, okay? All right. Let let me pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day and for our time together. and, And Lord, we just ask your blessings on each one that's here today and Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, then my prayer is today that that they would trust in you, that they would know that, that, God, you love them, you love us all, and you created a way for us to be back into fellowship with you through the giving of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again the third day. And right now, God, we repent of our sins and ask you to come into our heart and be our Lord and Savior. God, if there's one here today that does not know you as their Savior, I pray that right now they've received you. And God, I pray for our church family. I pray, God, you help us to continue to be excited, Lord, with what you're doing here through our small group ministry. Father, we ask your blessings on our small group and all of those that are working so hard in every area of this campaign. We ask your blessings on them. Help us, God, to reach the world, reach our community, reach our friends, family, co-workers, our neighbors, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, we just lay this small group ministry out in front of you. We ask your blessings and your favor to rest upon it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.